Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Tuesday. We've got a lot to talk about today. I will give my reaction to the FBI's raid of Donald Trump's home and why I say this is an indication that conservatives need to be okay with using more power, the power that is at our disposal. I got a lot of support for that statement on Twitter. I also got a lot of blowback. So I'm going to break it down and tell you exactly what I mean and why I really do mean it. We are also going to talk just a little bit about the spending bill, what has been not so affectionately dubbed the Inflation Enhancement Act by many Republicans in Congress. I will also touch on Stacey Abrams and her comment that she is pro-abortion because of her faith. What faith exactly is she talking about? And then in the last part of this episode, I will tell you a personal story that I experienced yesterday on the plane and the commentary I think it gives on the dire lack of strength, of courage, and compassion, particularly from a subset of men in our culture. So we will get to all of this and more today. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Allie for American Meat Delivered. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. Okay, now before we get into it, let me tell you a little bit about my travels. So I went to Austin on Friday. I went to Nashville yesterday. Yesterday, I was at Daily Wire. I was filming some stuff with Michael Knowles of Daily Wire. We did a book club video that you guys are going to love. And then we also filmed this like really fun game. So lots of good content coming out from yours truly and the Daily Wire. That all will be out soon. And then on Friday um, in Austin, I spoke to two different groups, Network of Enlightened Women. They're an awesome uh, conservative female organization. And then I also talked to Patriot Academy, another amazing student organization, and just talked to them about the moment that we are in, the kind of courage, the kind of clarity that this moment in our nation's history calls for, particularly when it comes to not just the courage that we show in communicating and standing for that which is good and right and true, but also electing the right people to represent and fight for these things. And I actually think that what I discussed there, what we talked about there is very pertinent to this story of what happened to Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago with his home being Rated. Um, look, we are at a very frightening in some ways, a very heated, a very tense point in history where the powers that be are being weaponized against and mobilized against political dissent. That happened when we saw the DOJ announce that they were going to be going after concerned parents who confronted school board members by going to these school board meetings. They basically categorized these parents as domestic terrorists and said the FBI is going to be investigating these parents. I mean, that is a symptom of what is typically referred to as the inherently unstable uh, banana republic. It seems increasingly that that is the direction that we are going, that these institutions that are dominated by progressive ideology are intolerant of dissent. 
You see, leftists, many have this delusion that is constantly playing in their heads that they are the underdog, that they are the little guy, and that they are fighting on behalf of the little guy, and that the real threat to democracy, the real threat to freedom are these scary Christian nationalists, these scary, what they would call like Christo fascist fundamentalists who want to try to conform the country to their own image, to, who want to try to control the minds and the lives of everyone who is not a right-wing Christian. Like, this is the fantasy that they have going on in their heads 24-7. The reality is, is that every institution, every power that we have, not just nationally, but almost globally as well, is dominated by left-wing ideology. So if you're looking at the federal government, you're looking at our intelligence agencies, you're looking at the leadership in our military, you're looking at our public education system, or academia, or the mainstream media, or Hollywood, or big tech, all of these are dominated by, led by, have been infiltrated by leftists. Institutional capture is very real. And the ideology that has captured all of these institutions that wield all of the power, I think I forgot to mention maybe major corporations that wield a lot of power, they have been captured by leftism. And so we have seen the result of that. We've seen the result of that in the degradation of our public school system, of academia, of um, crime stopping and crime response uh, in cities. We have seen public safety go out the window because of this institutional capture by leftists. Progressive ideology is destructive. It is punitive. It is chaotic. It is um, anarchistic in, in the consequences that it actually wages, but it is also extremely organized in how it manifests its power. And I think one example of the manifestation of the dangerous and ideological and weaponized power of the leftist state is this raiding of Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago that occurred yesterday. So let me tell you a rundown of what occurred. So the FBI raided Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago on August 8th. This is according to Daily Wire. Trump said this. These are dark times for our nation as my beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, is currently under siege, raided and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. After working and cooperating with the relevant government agencies, this unannounced raid on my home was not necessary or appropriate. Trump claims it was an attempt by the Democrats to weaponize the justice system to stop him from running for president again in 2024 and to hurt Republicans in the midterms. He says they even broke into my safe. It is political targeting at the highest level. Last month, the Washington Post reported, again, this is according to the Daily Wire, that the DOJ's investigation into Trump was part of its criminal probe of efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. And that DOJ was looking at areas that could end up ensnaring Trump, including seditious conspiracy and conspiracy to obstruct a government proceeding. 
Here's what the New York Post is reporting. Any search of a private residence would have to be approved by a judge after law enforcement demonstrated probable cause that a search was justified. But in this case, experts said it would have had to come from the highest levels. So this raid is surely one of the most significant that FBI has ever undertaken. Jonathan Schaub, a former attorney advisor in the Office of Legal Counsel at the U.S. Department of Justice, told the Miami Herald it would likely have been approved at the highest levels of the FBI and Justice Department. Schaub, who now works at the University of Kentucky's Rosenberg College of Law, added, the raid comes as the Justice Department is examining the actions of Trump in his criminal investigation um, in the efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Apparently, this also has to do with documents that he brought to his Mar-a-Lago home, but weren't supposed to actually leave the White House. New York Post says federal law bars the removal of classified documents to unauthorized locations, though it is possible that Trump could try to argue that as president, he was the ultimate declassification authority. The Washington Post also reported on this and said that like among the things that he took into his home, it was like a cocktail napkin and a dinner menu and a couple other things. But it's interesting that the Washington Post didn't include like what would have been, I guess, serious documents that would have solicited a raid by the FBI. You would think that we would have had some information on that. You would think that the FBI, that the Justice Department would want people to know very quickly that this was a totally legitimate raid. But we still don't know what were the documents that apparently justified them coming into his house and breaking into his safe. It's interesting we still don't know that. So right now, this looks like a political payback. Like this looks like their attempt to try to inhibit or prohibit Trump from running next term, running in the 2024 election. Now, I hope that's not the case legitimately. While obviously I don't want Trump to be indicted, I don't want him to go to jail. I don't think that that's a good thing. I would rather this be an actually legitimate search and seizure than have to face the fact, which I think is the more likely case, face the fact that our DOJ is basically just the political arm of Democrats and is playing politics with people's lives and with people's freedoms. Now, again, I think that that is the far more likely case, considering some of the statements and actions of the head of the DOJ, which is Merritt Garland, particularly against people like you and me, people uh, like those who are going to school board meetings. So based on his actions, based on his ideology, I think it is very likely that the FBI and the DOJ is being weaponized against Donald Trump. I think that also perhaps gives us some clarity into why every Democrat just voted to add 87,000 IRS agents to the IRS. Like, what do you think they're going to do with that power? You think they're just going to go after billionaires and millionaires? They're just going to go after the people in charge? No, Those IRS agents are very likely for people like you and me. It's probably for political purposes. And so, um, obviously, 
Obviously, the left is not afraid to use the power that they have at their disposal to accomplish the political purposes that they have. Now, the Wall Street Journal is also uh, reporting on this and is trying to kind of enlighten us as to the context of what is really going on here. First, before we get into the Wall Street Journal reporting, let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day. That is Adele Natural Cosmetics. I love this company. I love their products. I love their values. I love their story. Uh, The founder of Adele Natural Cosmetics started uh, a couple decades ago, Arlene, when she was going through health problems and she wanted to make sure that all of the products that she was using on her body were truly natural and holistic. So she decided to make them herself. So they make makeup, they make skincare. I use all their stuff. So I use their foundation. I also use their facial cleansers. I use their moisturizers, their serums. And I can tell a really big difference in my skin. I think my skin is softer. I think it's clearer. I think uh, the skin tone is more even. I love it. I never thought that I would change foundations. I'd been using like the same Maybelline foundation for, I don't know, probably 15 years. But now I actually love their cream foundation more than any other foundation that I've used. It matches my skin perfectly. And without it feeling too cakey or too heavy, I think it gives me really good coverage. So really do check out Adele Natural Cosmetics. They're a family-run, holistic, pro-life company that you can feel really good about supporting. Go to adelnaturalcosmetics.com. Enter the promo code Allie for 25% off your first order. That's AdeleNaturalCosmetics.com, promo code Allie. All right, here's what the Wall Street Journal says about this. Legal historians said they couldn't remember a case in recent history in which the FBI searched the home of a former president. So that's why people are freaking out about this. That sentence right there. That's why it's unprecedented. It's not that there is no possibility whatsoever that a crime has been committed. Of course, there are all kinds of possibilities in any case. And in all cases, of course, we don't believe that anyone should be above the law. We believe that justice should be executed. But again, based on the history of the FBI and the DOJ in general, but specifically of this FBI and DOJ, like there is reason to worry. And because this is the first time that something like this has happened to a former president, this former president happens to be one of the most maligned presidents by Democrats in history. I just don't think that that's a coincidence. That's my personal take. The Wall Street Journal says the search marked an escalation of the Justice Department's investigation into aspects of Mr. Trump's final days in office and is expected to ripple through the run up to November's midterm elections. Again, convenient. Officials can face up to five years in prison for removing classified materials to an unauthorized location. The penalties for breaking other laws related to the removal of official records also include disqualification from holding federal office, including the presidency. Something that people are pointing out is that, okay, even if this if this is the case, like even if there was classified material that had been taken by Donald Trump into his home that justified a raid by the FBI, which like if that is the case, then of course those materials do need to be handed over and that would be a breach of the law and it's a good law. Like it's a good law that those classified materials stay where they are supposed to stay. They are supposed to be protected, of course, for reasons of national security. You don't want that kind of confidential information to be leaving the place where it's protected, where it's supposed uh, supposed to be. But a lot of people are pointing out the obvious duplicity here that, okay, we've got 
Hunter Biden. We've got the crimes that clearly the Clintons have been a part of. And as far as we know, these families have not been treated with the same harshness, with the same viciousness, uh, with uh, the same severity that Donald Trump has for possibly potentially taking some documents out of the White House. So I think that alone worries people about the lopsided nature of these institutions, of these agencies. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Republican of California, warned that Attorney General Merrick Garland could expect an investigation into the action should the GOP win control of the House in November's midterm election. Will anything actually come of that? I don't know. Many Democrats have been urging Mr. Garland to be more forceful in investigating the former president's actions. Mr. Garland has said little publicly but about the probe, but told reporters recently uh, when asked about the possibility of charging a former president that no person is above the law in this country. Of course, I don't believe any person is above the law, but it seems like what they mean is that no Republican is above the law. It seems like what they mean is no conservative or no non-leftist is above the law. There are plenty of people on the left that are above the law. And then this is a really interesting development, a troubling development. And sorry to sound conspiratorial here, but this is what's being reported. So this is according to New York Post. The judge who approved the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago, uh, Mar-a-Lago once linked to Jeffrey Epstein. I'm sorry. Like, this is just too much. It's too much. So this is according to the article. The Florida federal investigation judge who signed off on a search warrant authorizing the FBI raid of former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort left the local U.S. attorney's office more than a decade ago to represent employees of convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, who had received received immunity in the long running sex trafficking investigation of the financier. Sources tell The Post that Judge Bruce Reinhardt approved the warrant that enabled federal agents to converge on the palatial South Florida estate on Monday in what Trump called an unannounced raid in my home. He was elevated to magistrate judge in March 2018 after 10 years in private practice. That November, the Miami Herald reported that he had represented several of Epstein's employees, including by Reinhardt's own admission to the outlet Epstein's pilots. His scheduler, Sarah Kellen and Nadia uh, Marcinkova, who Epstein once reportedly described as his Yugoslavian sex slave. So that's just weird. I have no idea if that is connected in any way here. But I think that's an interesting point that people are going to look at. Of course, when it comes to this, I mean, we hear all the time about these right-wing conspiracy theories, but there seems to be repeatedly, consistently stories that come out that at least affirm parts of what are typically referred to as conspiracy theories. So how is this going to play out? I don't know. But we obviously have a crisis of trust, a crisis of credibility, and we have for a very long time. And it's interesting, the the realignment when it comes to the perspective on intelligence agencies and what is often referred to as the security state, the CIA, the FBI, uh, the, the DOJ, because it used to be classic liberals who were skeptical of the growth of the security state and who were very protective of individuals' civil liberties. Um, And now that skepticism has switched. I mean, Republicans and conservatives have traditionally been the side of law and order. And we still are, of course, in many ways. We believe that the 
uh, progressive tolerance of crime and murder and uh, recidivism is immoral and wrong and leads to chaos in local cities. But when it comes to the federal government, when it comes to the executive branch, and when it comes to the politicization and the weaponization of our uh, intelligence community and of our security state, it's actually the right now who is calling for the dismantling of these agencies, who is calling for them to be broken up, who is calling for them to be reined in, who is calling for them to have accountability. It's now the right who is skeptical of the FBI and the CIA. That's really switched. And now it's the left who are um, applauding these agencies and who want these agencies, including the IRS, to have more power. So it's really interesting how this is realigned. And it goes back to that fantasy that I was saying really plays out in the heads of so many leftists, that they are the underdog, that they are the ones without any power, that they're the little guy. No, 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 no. Like the Democratic Party is the party of the bully, is the party of the security state, is the party of the administrative state, is the party of the wedding of corporate and government power, is the party of a form of fascism, even as they say they are anti-fascist. And what's funny is that I tweeted yesterday in response to all of this. And while I, you know, I agree, we got to we got to wait for the facts. And maybe maybe we find out things about like Trump's guilt or alleged guilt that will surprise us, surprise us all. I'm still not sure that it justifies the the raid that went on. Actually, I'm pretty sure that it doesn't. I think that we can say pretty confidently that politics at least played in a part of that. And that alone is scary. So I think that my reaction, even as we wait for all of the facts to come out, is justified when I say that, look, we're not playing games anymore. OK, like the older Republican a way of just sitting on our hands and sitting back and saying, well, we don't we don't play this game that uh, Democrats are playing of using our power for political purposes and the free market and the next election. They're just going to they're just going to fix all of this kind of like the laissez faire sit back, let things happen. Republican Party, we don't want to interfere. We don't want to do anything. All we want to do is lower the corporate tax rate. That GOP, well, the need for that GOP is dead and gone. And therefore, that kind of GOP needs to expire. Look, conservatives are going to have to get more comfortable with electing people that are willing to exercise more power than conservatives have traditionally been okay with. Now, what do I mean by that? Because a lot of people get freaked out when conservatives say that, when Republicans say that. I do not mean the unfettered growth of the government. I don't mean that we should add our own IRS agents. I don't mean that we should be growing um, the administrative state. I'm not talking about weaponizing uh, the central uh, federal government. I am talking about using the powers that are constitutionally available to you to try to dismantle the left-wing powers that are punishing conservative and non-left-wing constituents. Does that make sense? So let me give you an example because I think Ron DeSantis is a great, a great representation of this. If you think about the whole Disney fiasco and the whole parental rights and education bill, 
that he signed into law that said, hey, you can't teach sexuality and gender switching to kindergartners through third grades that the le- uh, graders that the left absolutely freaked out about. Still gross and creepy that they thought that, that was bad. Disney came out and said, you know what, we're going to oppose this law and we are going to work day and night to make sure that this law is overturned. So basically, this major corporation said that they are going to set themselves against the will of the constituents of Florida, who elected the representatives and duly elected the governor who created this bill and then signed it into law. That in itself is anti-democratic. So in order to protect uh, the democratic process, in order to protect the wishes of the constituents that wanted this bill, um, rather than uh, DeSantis saying what Republicans typically do, which is, well you know, the market will take care of it. Well, you know, people will probably stop going to Disney World and that will be their punishment. Let's just see what happens. Or rather than refusing to criticize Disney because Disney brings in a lot of money to Florida, Ron DeSantis said, no, I'm going to do something about this. I am going to use a tool that is constitutionally available to me, which is taking away the tax privileges of Disney who basically created themselves or set themselves up as an enemy to many constituents in Florida. That's how you do it. That's what you do. Ron DeSantis also decided to remove a Soros-backed prosecutor in the state of Florida that was refusing to prosecute crimes specifically related to abortion. That is not typical of Republicans. Republicans don't typically make those moves. So when I say that we need to elect Republicans who are willing to use the power and the tools that they have to push good policy and to punish bad policy and to punish bad people, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. And then, of course, like using the powers that they have to dismantle and reconfigure the security in the administrative state. Yes, absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. And people on the left get so scared. And even some people on the right, when you say things like that, when you talk about power, when you talk about like taking control and using your authority to do something, Republicans and Democrats freak out about Republicans and conservatives advocating for that. On the left, you say, oh, that's just fascism. Like Ali is saying that Republicans need to be okay with exercising more authority and using more power than is traditionally used by conservatives. That's fascism. That's hilarious because you, someone on the left, you support the party that is exclusively responsible for any instance of actual fascism in the country today. Like you, as a Democrat, continue to vote for people who are forging um, an inextricable relationship between powerful corporations in and the government to then punish people who fall outside of the progressive zeitgeist. Like they are they are the ones that are advocating for things like hap- what happened in Canada when Trudeau punished the truckers and the protesters by freezing the funds in their bank accounts. And that happens here with PayPal. When there's an organization like Moms for Liberty that goes against progressivism, PayPal uh, freezes their funds. People on the left are okay with that. So people on the left are totally 100% supportive of actual fascism and the capture of every single powerful institution in this country in order to not only push and force their ideology on the people who are in the jurisdiction of those institutions, but also to punish anyone 
who opposes their ideology. So when the left says, oh, I'm afraid of fascism or I'm afraid of theocracy or I'm afraid of Christian nationalism, they're not actually afraid of theocracy. They're afraid of dissent. They want their own theocracy. They want secular progressivism to be the state-sanctioned religion and to characterize and dominate and tyrannize every institution that they're a part of. And it freaks them out when dissent says, okay, fine, if that's the game you want to play, we are also going to use the power and the tools that are constitutionally available to us to make sure that we are actually the ones dominating the institutions, that we are the ones making the rules. We're going to shift the Overton window over. Oh, you're going to censor good ideas on the right? You're going to punish good people and good organizations over here? The pendulum is going to swing back, baby. It's going to happen. They get so freaked out by that, not because they're afraid of power, but because they're afraid of their enemies using power. Should have thought about that. You should have thought about that when you captured these institutions and then weaponized them against the people that disagreed with you. You should have thought about that. You should have thought about the fact that to every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And look, as I said, I don't want the unfettered growth of the federal government. I don't. Like, I don't want a political weaponized DOJ, an FBI. I do think, though, that whoever gets in charge, if it's a Republican next, needs to use their power to dismantle these agencies and recreate them, if necessary, in a way that actually represents true and good definitions of impartial justice. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the right using power. I'm talking about the right using power for actual good things, for actual justice, for actual liberty, for actual rights. I mean, not the absolutely deluded and depraved agenda, subversive agenda that the left has when they exercise their power. I think a lot of times, like, we're just moral relativists, especially on the right. Like, we're unwilling to say that power can be used for good things versus power can uh, power that is used for bad things. Like we often say, oh, well, no, we don't believe in any kind of indoctrination. We don't believe in any kind of power. We don't believe in like any kind of uh, philosophy that should be guiding law and lawmaking. But that's just not possible. Like nothing is neutral. There are bad ideas. There are good ideas. There's good and there is evil. It's okay to say that the things that we want to do using like government power or the curriculum that we want to push or the ideas that like that we want to infiltrate these institutions and public schools or whatever are good and left wing ideas are bad. Like we don't just have to pretend like we are pushing for neutrality. We're not like we believe that there are good ideas and there are bad ideas. There is a good definition of justice. There's a convoluted definition of justice that's on the left. There is good. There is evil. Um, And I'm not saying that conservatives by any means or the right has like some kind of monopoly on good and on justice. I'm saying that we should be unafraid, though, to use all the constitutional tools available to us to push that which is good and right and true when it comes to policy. Um, And when it comes to how our systems and agencies work in this country, the left understands that they understand that nothing is neutral. That's why they dominate every institution that they have with their ideology. What does Orrin McIntyre sometimes say? He's a guy that I follow on Twitter. I'll probably, hopefully, have him on the show at some point. 
and I don't know if it's his original quote, but I've seen him tweet it a lot, is that the side that wants to win will always beat the side that wants to be left alone. So that's where we are. Like, we do have to understand what time it is, right? Like, we have to understand kind of like the threats that we're facing. We have to forsake nostalgia and realize that we as a country are not going to go back to like 1995 or 2004, whenever you thought this country was good. Like, whenever the only disagreements that we had between Democrats and Republicans were how involved we should be in Iraq and like how high the corporate tax rate will be. I mean, we're talking about very fundamental moral differences here. Unfortunately, like that is the battle. That is the division that we're facing And look, the left is playing ball all while telling you that if you step up to the plate, you're a fascist. I think we just have to kind of recognize that. And we have to use, as I've said a million times now, the tools that are available to us to push that, which is good, right? To push truth and to push actual justice and to dismantle the powers that be that are pushing the opposite of that. That's all I'm talking about when I'm talking about Republicans using using our power and using the government and the tools that are at our disposal in the government to do that. The left has been doing it for a very long time. That's why we are where we are. All right, we'll get into the rest of this stuff now. Let me pause and tell you about our next sponsor for the day. That is Raycon. So right now, You're listening to this and you've got your wired headphones on and I can see them. They're all tangled up in front of you. You look like a mess and you like you've got your phone over there on the countertop and you're trying to go over there to clean the dishes and you're like the headphones are falling out of your ear. What are you doing? Why don't you have Bluetooth headphones yet? You should get Bluetooth headphones from Raycon. So you can set your phone down and you can walk around and you don't have to worry about those wires all like tangled up in front of you. It makes your life a lot easier. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge. So I've got a friend, I gifted some uh, Raycon earbuds to one of uh, my friend's family. And so she gave it to her husband and her son. They both rave about them. He does trail running. um, And so obviously like that's a change in elevation and like you're going up and down and all of that. And he swears by these Raycon earbuds. He says that they not only sound great, but they really do stay put in your ear. So especially if you're an athlete, this is a great option for you. Go to buyraycon.com slash Allie. That's B-U-Y, raycon.com slash Allie today to get 15% off your order. That's buyraycon.com slash Allie for 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash Allie. All right. One last thing I'll say about that is that this actually helps Donald Trump for Republicans anyway. Like this makes him the shoe-in for the Republican nomination. Now, the powers that be certainly are going to do everything to make sure that he is not only not the nominee, but of course that he doesn't win the general election. I'm not saying whether that's bad or good, uh, that this is going to basically automatically beat out all of the competition when it comes to the Republican primary. I'm just saying what it is. Like now you are presenting him as like a symbol, as my friend Steve Day said. He is a symbol of opposition to the administrative and the security state that we understand is not just going after Donald Trump, but they're also going after the supporters of Donald Trump. And so that's going to be his message. 
He's going to say, look, I'm fighting for you because I got skin in this game. They're after me, but really they hate you. They say they hate me, but it's really you you're after. They say they hate my values and what I'm doing. Really what they're saying is hating you. And looking, look, they've created this now. They've created Donald Trump as a symbol when I think if they would have just kind of like let him be, he would have fizzled out. We would have had another star rise up. We probably already have that. And that person could have had a fighting chance in the primary. But if they keep doing this, if they keep basically in some strange way um, presenting them, uh, presenting him as like a hair, uh, a hero of opposition, then what they're going to get is him running away with the nomination and possibly potentially, if it's fair, the election. So um, that that's where we are in that. And it's and I also think that this is going to mobilize Republicans when it comes to the midterm elections. I do. I think this actually works in Republicans favor because, look, this is scary. If this is actually like a political weapon against Donald Trump because he's Donald Trump and against Republicans, that scares a lot of people who maybe previously weren't scared, who still were under some delusion that like Joe Biden is going to bring in moderation and unity. Remember that pitch? That's funny. Uh, We do know that um, that the progressive powers are trying to crack down on any dissent. Of course, we've talked a lot about uh, big tech censorship, and we experienced that here on this show. Uh, Just last week, we got an email from YouTube saying that they totally randomly, without warning, removed my conversation with journalist Julie Kelly about January 6th and the prisoners um, that are in solitary confinement and are incarcerated uh, because of in many cases, nonviolent offenses on January 6th. And she talked to me about the corrupt system in place that has unfairly uh, come down on the people who were involved, again, often peacefully um, in the January 6th riots and protests. Everything that she said was factual. She has backed it up by her own sourcing, her own journalism, her own fact-checking herself. And even if it wasn't, like even if it was just her opinion, even if it was just her perspective, so what? There are a million different perspectives on YouTube. A lot of them are straight up garbage and based on abject lies. But because this goes against the approved narrative... We are, we've gotten the uh, episode, I think it's episode 630. Yep, episode 630, it has been removed from YouTube. So I encourage you to go to Blaze TV, watch it for yourself if you have not already. We've got the link to the episode um, on Blaze TV in the description of this episode. You can also listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen while it's still available. Um, So I would hightail it over there right now and listen to that. Um, It's very sinister. It's very sinister. Also, I don't know if I've even talked about, speaking of censorship, I think I did maybe mention it last week that our friend James Lindsay, who has been on here several times, he has been permanently suspended from Twitter. Like we're not talking about a Christian conservative getting kicked off for Christian conservative views, which is often what happens. I mean, we're talking about an agnostic, a political independent who just happens to be against the grooming of children. He got kicked off of Twitter for that. Interesting. I mean, they are 
they're turning off the heat right now before the midterms. It's very, very sinister and very, dare I say, in some cases, um, demonic. Speaking of demonic, the IRS, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, they've added 87,000 employees, according to this Inflation Reduction Act, so-called, that just passed the Senate, that was completely partisan. No Republicans voted for it. Only Democrats voted for it. The tiebreaker, of course, was Vice President um, Kamala Harris. And so there's a lot to analyze in this particular bill. As Representative Thomas Massey of Kentucky has said, it's actually an inflation, uh, inflation enhancement bill that it's going to make inflation worse, of course, because it's spending. And so that's just what we know about what makes inflation worse. They said it's for the climate. They said it's for the economy, that it's going to lower costs. It's going to help inflation. It's actually probably going to do the opposite. And it's looking like it's going to raise taxes on most uh, severely and disproportionately the middle working class, people who make more than $30,000 a year. And of course, Joe Biden is saying that he's only going to tax the rich. I guess that's true if you consider someone who makes $35,000 a year rich. Um, And so unfortunately, even some of the Democrats that we consider to be moderate, um, they voted for the bill. There were many amendments that Republicans tried to pass to add to the bill that Democrats struck down. Um, And so remember that when the pain gets worse. Remember that when costs don't go down. Remember that when your taxes go up. Remember that when your small business is getting audited by these new IRS agents. Remember that. Remember who forged this, who authored this, who voted for this, and who didn't. And again, I will say it really matters who we elect in November. That really matters. It can't just be someone with an R by their name. It's got to be people who are fighters. And I think that we're doing that. Like, I think actually the um, the election of Carrie Lake, for example, as the Republican candidate in Arizona, uh, Blake Masters, Senate, Senate candidate in Arizona. We've also got J.D. Vance, of course, Senate candidate in Ohio and Joe Kent's, uh, I think, uh, representative candidate in Washington. He just won the Republican primary. Um, And so I do think that we have like a new crop of Republicans who know what's at stake and who know what time it is and who aren't just going to vote no on these bills, but hopefully are going to push really good um, legislation. So I just wanted to make sure that we covered that briefly. There are some other things that I also um, just wanted to talk about first. Let's let let's stick with politics and let's first talk about Stacey Abrams and her recent comments um, about pro-choice being a part of her faith. So we're talking about electing good people that are going to push good policy and that are going to fight for the values that you and I hold dear. Let's look at the opposite end of the spectrum and look at someone like Stacey Abrams. So this is according to theblaze.com. The headline is Stacey Abrams says being pro-choice is part of her faith. And according to her faith, you protect the vulnerable and you wrap them up in your love. Oh, the irony. Oh, the irony. So she says, the decision to be pro-choice is exactly part of my faith. I cannot strike down another person's rights simply because I don't agree. So it might be a part of her faith. The question is, what does she worship? 
She doesn't worship the God of Scripture, of course, who demanded the death penalty for child sacrifice, who says that he made us in um, our mother's womb fearfully and wonderfully. Um, She doesn't worship the God who says, let the little children come to me for to such as these belong the kingdom of heaven. She worships the God of self. The God of self has two supreme values, and that's autonomy and authenticity. Autonomy and authenticity can be two very good things, very good values. But when they are not submitted to a higher authority, the God of scripture, they actually become idols that then justify um, sin, that then justify us to whatever we want to do, as long as it serves A, our autonomy, our control over ourselves and our lives, and B, our authenticity, being ourselves. That's what abortion is. It is serving the God of self and one of its subsidiaries, which is the idol of autonomy, that you are even willing to sacrifice the life of another human being if that means that it is serving the control that you want to have. And then, of course, how we see the idol of authenticity um, show up is, well, I can be anyone that I want to be. I can be whatever I feel, even if that is sacrificing your own body and sacrificing your reality on that altar. Autonomy and authenticity can be two good values, but only when they are submitted to Christ. Only when they are submitted to God's law, only when they are submitted to what God says, the phrase that we say so often is good and right and true. So this idea that she has to defend abortion according to her faith might be true, but that is because she ascribes to not Christianity, but to secular humanism, which has a God and the God is self. Um, So please don't vote for Stacey Abrams. Please do whatever you can to make sure that she does not win. I don't think that I don't think that she would. It would be a disaster for my beloved state of Georgia. I love Georgia. Have a lot of family there. Lived there. Met my husband there. It's a great place. It's got a lot of libs there. 100%. But let's make a better decision. Let's not Let's not vote that silly woman in office. Um, all right, I'll close this out. I didn't have time to get to all the stories that I wanted to talk about today, um, but uh, I, ha- I do have a story that I want to tell. It's like a personal story and just like a little diatribe I, I want to go on in just a second. But let me tell you about our second to last sponsor for the day, and that is Good Ranchers. So you guys know I love Good Ranchers. You should be getting American meat delivered right to your front door. It makes your life easier. They've got American beef and better than organic chicken, pre-marinated and non-pre-marinated and seafood. You're supporting American farms and ranchers when you do that. And it's just convenient for you not to have to go to the grocery store and get more meat every week. It comes in a box right on your porch. We absolutely love it. But also, in addition to just feeding your family really good meat and supporting this American industry, you can also help kids who are facing hunger and food insecurity. They are on a mission to donate 100,000 high-quality meals to young children who often go unfed or end up malnourished from poor access to nutritious food. You join this campaign, you order a box of American meat, and with every box that is ordered that contributes uh, to the meals that they are then donating, all 100,000 of them, to these kids who are in need. So go to goodranchers.com slash Allie. When you do, you get $30 off your order plus free shipping and you're donating these life, this life-changing food to kids in need. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie or use my code Allie at checkout, goodranchers.com slash Allie. 
All right, let me tell you a little, a little story. A little, I just wanna go on a little rant. So yesterday, I was flying home from Nashville and there was a woman, she was an older lady, I would guess she was probably 85. And she was using a cane to walk and she was standing outside of the bathroom, which was right next to my seat. And I saw that she was swaying and she had a hard time holding on to um, holding on to the walls and it was turbulent. And I saw that the flight attendants were trying to talk to her. They were um, telling her, hey, you really need to you really need to go sit down. It's going to be bumpy. But they were not getting up from their seats. And it was very clear to me that she could not understand what they were saying. Turns out she could not speak English. I don't know what language she was speaking, but she couldn't speak English. She was clearly very confused. I'm not sure that she could see very well either. I mean, we're talking about a very feeble older woman. I thought maybe she was trying to get into the bathroom, but the bathroom wasn't occupied. And so everyone was just like looking at this situation. And this is, has nothing to do with me being valiant or anything. When I when I say that it caused me like zero inconvenience or sacrifice whatsoever, I mean that. And this is not the point of the story. But I just stood up. I asked the flight attendants, like, what's going on here? Does she need help being stabilized while she's waiting for the bathroom? And they were saying, oh, she needs to go back to her seat. She needs to go back to her seat. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't really, I was thinking, I don't really understand why no, like the flight attendants aren't doing anything about that. So long story short, I led this older lady back to her seat. She sat down and on the way back, I had these men. I turns out I was sitting around like six adult, able-bodied men who had just been looking on with their like mouths hanging open. One of them gave me a fist bump. One of them was like, wow, that was so nice of you. And I just thought, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm thankful to have done it. It was really easy. It took two seconds of my life. It took like no, as I said, sacrifice whatsoever to do that. But why was it me? Why, why was it me? Why did none of those adult, able-bodied men who were all standing there with their mouths open like a large mouth bass, why didn't they do anything? Like, why didn't they stand up and say, you know, this is a feeble old lady and how society is ordered adult men, able-bodied men are supposed to be the ones to first step up for the most vulnerable. They're supposed to be the ones to step up on behalf of the weak, of the elderly, of the child, of the woman. Why are all these men just sitting there while this woman is unable to stabilize herself? Why is it me? Why is it that why is it the young woman, the only person who was like, OK, maybe I can take my AirPods out and pay attention to what's going on? I still don't even know why the flight attendants like didn't do the same thing. Why are they just sitting there un unwilling to like help this woman back to her seat? I don't know. But it made me very sad for society. I don't think that I am better than any of the people sitting around me. I think that I decided to tune in for a second to like pay attention to do something that wasn't very difficult at all. But the fact of the matter is, is that most people, and I think that includes men, and most disastrously, that includes men. Um, most people don't want to look up from what they're doing. Most people don't want to even be slightly inconvenienced or they have been so trained to not involve themselves in the affairs and circumstances of other people that they would literally watch an elderly woman like fall to the ground before they would get their butts out of their seat and do something about it. 
And I really wanted to get on the intercom after I got like a fist bump and a pep talk from one of the guys who was sitting around me and say, I don't want your fist bumps. I don't want your pep talks. I want you to do something. Like, I want you to be a man. I want you to do what men are supposed to do, which is advocate on behalf of the most vulnerable. I'm happy to do it. I think all able-bodied people should stand for the weak and should help people who need it. But if that wasn't a commentary on the lack of masculinity in many cases and the lack of responsibility in our society and the lack of compassion, I don't know what is. And look, you are not looking at a man-hater. I am so thankful for healthy masculinity. I am so thankful for men. I am so thankful for male leadership, male mentorship, and fatherhood. I think that that's absolutely integral to society, which is exactly why I'm saying what I'm saying, is that you got a lot of soy boys out there, a lot of weak men, a lot of scared people who can't be bothered who don't really care about the most vulnerable and who don't see themselves as responsible for the people around them. And this might have just been a small example, a small situation, but I do think it's a representation of a problem that we have in general. And if you haven't listened to yesterday's episode about the importance of the family structure and family formation, particularly the presence of strong fathers, then you should go listen to that because that gives um, that gives some statistical Uh, backing to what I'm talking about. And it gives some data that I think supports this idea that we are dealing with a crisis of a lack of masculinity and strong fathers and father figures and men as strong examples in our society. And it also look, it, it also links to everything else that we're talking about. That now the moment of history that we're in, whether it's moral, theological, political, cultural, social, it calls for strong, brave, courageous, and clear men. Yes, women too. Yes, moms. I mean, I'm out here talking about these things. But, you know, I read in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe the other day. I think it was, I think it's Father Christmas who says this, not Aslan. Yes, it's Father Christmas. Father Christmas gives Lucy, um, the youngest daughter, like a dagger and um, potion, healing potion, and says, you know, this is for anytime someone is hurt, you can heal them. And she says, you know, I think that I'm brave enough to fight in a battle. And Father Christmas says, that's not the point. The point is not whether you are brave enough. You are not to fight in this battle because wars get ugly when women fight them. Ooh, that's politically incorrect, but it is true. It is true. We need men to be on the front lines. We need men to be taking that role. Yes, women can be courageous and we can have our roles. Absolutely. Obviously, I believe that, but we cannot replace men. So men, first of all, thank you to those of you who do step up every day. I respect you. I'm thankful for you. But those who don't, now's the time. Now's the time. We need it. All right. Last sponsor for the day. Then we'll head out in just a second. That is Bambi. So 
For those of you who are small business owners, maybe you're scared that one of those new 87,000 IRS agents is going to audit you. Well, that means you got enough to worry about. You don't need to be worried about all the HR issues that come with running a business. That is why you need Bambi. It's an HR platform built for businesses like yours, so you can automate the most important HR practices and get your own dedicated HR manager. First, Bambi's HR autopilot automates your core policies, workplace training, and employee feedback. Then your dedicated HR manager will help you navigate the more complex parts of HR and guide you to compliance available by phone, email, or real-time chat. If you hire an HR manager, that's great, but that's going to cost you at least $80,000 a year. But with Bambi, your dedicated HR manager starts at just $99 a month, no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. They're a very popular company because the service that they give is amazing and the customer service that they have is also incredible. So go to Bambi.com slash Allie right now for your free HR audit, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Allie, Bambi dot com slash Allie. And also, by the way, I do think someone asked me about like Republicans exercising power to push policies that are good and to do things that are good and just. And this is someone on the left, of course, pronouns in the profile saying, is that really Christ-like to amass power? Of course, what that person means is that it's Christ-like for Democrats to amass power, but apparently not Republicans. And as I've already said, I don't believe in amassing power for the sake of amassing power. I don't believe that. But yes, I do actually think that it is representative of a Christian value system to go after bad things and to do good things and to punish injustice and to promote justice and to be harsh against those who misuse their power to crush those who are weak and to be soft and gentle towards those who are vulnerable and are being depressed and or being oppressed and who are without help. So the answer to that is yes. Um, And of course, the opposite of that, the opposite for advocating for the vulnerable and the oppressed is every value that the left-wing ideology has, whether you are looking at the sacrifice of children and abortion or whether you are looking at uh, the sacrifice of children when it comes to gender ideology or when it comes to the disproportionate effect of bad COVID policy and restrictions on both the elderly and children and the poor, um, the exact opposite of a Christian value economy and the exact opposite of caring for the oppressed is what Democrats and progressives continually put forward, which, of course, is why I believe in pushing back against it with everything that we have. All right. That's all I've got time for today. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Tomorrow. 